Hello, everyone, and welcome to Myth, Heresy, and Hearsay, Episode 10. I mentioned that I enjoy podcasts and that I had been listening to Mike Duncan and Robin Pearson. I got all caught up on Robin's History of Byzantine episode, so while I was waiting for new episodes to show up, I got to listening to the History of England with David Crowther. He actually starts his history in the Celtic period, before the Saxons are even a thought, and gets into the Saxon conquests and the kingdoms they built and ruled. I have so enjoyed his smart British humor. I also noticed, like Duncan and Pearson, Crowther has begun to recommend books he had read to research his material. He had mentioned, if it was good enough for Mike Duncan, then it's good enough for him. So I'm figuring if it is good enough for David Crowther, it is plenty good enough for me. So I intend to review and recommend books that I think would be of interest and hope I don't run out of books as I'm really not much of a bookworm. This week's book suggestion is Josh Peck's Into the Multiverse. There has been a lot of hubbub about things like parallel universes recently. In another universe, had I made this decision instead of that decision, uh, how would things have been different? I actually call that a midlife crisis, but anyway. Do other similar but different universes exist? Or is our reality actually real? Or are we in some kind of hologram for another reality? Peck delves into stuff like that, and what I like is that he delves into physics in such a way as to be physics for dummies. Again, me being the dummy. Mind-stretching stuff, and worth a read. I had mentioned before an earlier episode that I intended to get into the mechanics behind crucifixion. So, to research the subject a little bit, I looked up the word, and of course, all of the pictures and the texts about the subject all were centered around the most famous one to die on the cross. So much so, we tend to think in our little minds that this guy Jesus was the only one to ever be crucified. That the method had been created for just this occasion. A little history. The Romans did not invent crucifixion. That honor falls to the Persians before then. The Romans just perfected the process. Oh, those crazy Romans always looking for ways to make things better. The mechanics of the thing are deviously ingenious. In spite of the excruciating pain involved, that is not what kills the person. Nor is the bleeding a factor. What kills the victim is actually asphyxiation. The process of this most hideous form of execution is that, first, in a lying down position, they would hammer a large spike nail, usually nine inches long, through both of your hands. By that, we're pretty sure they are actually nailing through the wrists as it is 
not believe that the bones in the hands would be able to hold the weight of the person's body. But not sure. We don't believe there have been any experiments to find out whether this be true. Then the next spike is nailed directly through both of the feet. That's it. One spike, both feet. This is so that you can't move around and get any positional advantage. Then the cross would be lifted and the bottom of the cross placed into a narrow two-foot hole. Then you would be hoisted up. I was thinking that the jerking from being set up right would be a most painful experience. But wait, we're not done. Not by a long shot. It usually took anywhere from 6 to 12 hours for you to breathe your last, the whole time hoping each breath would be your last. Now we're getting into the deviously ingenious part. Hanging on this cross in this manner, your lungs are not in a position to catch a breath. So you would push your body up a few inches with your feet. You know, the ones with the 9-inch uh, spike nail through them just so you could breathe. As excruciating as that would be, you're just trying to catch a breath. So you can breathe just a little. This process would then be repeated over and over and over again, only to slip back down to the original position. This would go on all day. No doubt several times you decided, since the end result is death anyway, why bother to try to catch that breath? Way easier said than done. And the process continues on. This is why, by the way, that they broke the legs of the other two men who were being crucified with Jesus so they couldn't push up with their legs to catch a breath anymore. The authorities needed to get on with it since the Sabbath celebration were about to begin, and this might have ruined the mood. You know the story. They were going to do this with Jesus as well, but the centurion, noticing that he seemed to be dead already, had to be sure, so he plunged a sword through the side, and in fact, he was already dead. A mixture of blood and water gushed out of the wound. Medical experts today tell us that the only time this happens is when the heart has exploded. So why does this Jesus get all the press about when it comes to crucifixion? Thousands of others have died on the cross, probably more. It could be because he was innocent of any wrongdoing. But I have another thought. While this Jesus was not unique in dying on the cross, he was most probably the only one to die on the cross whose cause of death was listed as a broken heart. I would appreciate any comments at mythheresyandhearsay at gmail.com. Thanks for listening.